Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hey, Craig. Hey Jeff, we have these two basketball teams who had the last two weeks these tremendous opportunities on their schedule yeah, uh, to play themselves into an at-large position for the NCAA tournament. Yep. One of them has done that after a horrific start to the, to the stretch, has ended yep. up in all likelihood played themselves into it. The other one has completely played themselves out of it to the point where it is uh, pro- now you could probably say they have to win the conference tournament to get into like uh, there just isn't much left on the schedule to to do like and to impress anyone. And yeah. those games are gone, and they didn't get them. But anyways, this is Podcast versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers. <laughs> With me, as always, Jeff Neusser. This is episode 160. That's me. So, Jeff, We like yeah. round numbers. 160. We'll start with the men's team. Yeah. It's one, you know, I guess it's been two of them since we recorded last. Yep. Um, one, that UCLA game was just, I don't... The last two years at Poly now, I've just yep. been yep. UCLA hits every every jump shot you can imagine. Yeah, what the hell, man? Like they, I know they have a, they have a lot of guys that can hit jump shots, so that's it's not entirely crazy. Like they have a whole bunch of guys that are good mid range players, but yeah. the way they but shoot, not like that the way they shoot jump shots against WSU in Poly, I know. And then you combine well, that with WSU just continuing their complete inept shooting. Yes. Um, in in this game against UCLA, you know they they continued that the horrid stretch they had of uh, outside shooting, the three point shooting, where they've been they've yeah. been running about twenty five percent. They hit twenty seven to thirty, but man, inside the paint. Inside, not inside the paint, but inside the arc. Thirty five percent. Not even inside 20. the paint. Like, like as soon as they stepped inside the the three point line, eight of twenty three. Oh, and it, that didn't really change in the next game against USC either. Which you know we'll talk about that in a sec. But you know UCLA was like we talked last week about hey maybe we should zone them because they're not that good of a three point shooting team. And then they what hit seven of their first ten or something, right? Yep. Like it's, I mean, you just like at that point, you just go, what you know? I mean, I don't know. What are you gonna do? 
What are you going to do? Well, you got to you know, score and they, more points. And they fought. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's one thing. You can't go but point eight it, two. You're not going to win any. But games both both of these games, speak. both of these games revealed, you know this this like weakness in the roster construction that you like at this point in the season. And I know everybody wants, you know. They want their pound of flesh, right, when it comes to the coach or to certain players or whatever. And something I said after this weekend was, like, like everything just needed for this team. Like, well, first of all, I said, you know, the 2022 Cougars, they are almost good. <laughs> like, that's that's like the thing that we know about them at this point. They're almost good. They're not good. They're almost good. They're really close to being good, but they're not good at least in the way that we conceptualize good, because they're just clearly kind of a notch below that first tier of teams in the Pac-12, which this year is a notch below, you know, tournament quality. Okay. But it's like, you know, this weekend really revealed kind of why they're in that spot, which is, I mean, they just, they do not have a player that they can reliably count on to get a shot inside the arc particularly against teams that are very long and excellent defensively. And that's UCLA and that's USC and that's Arizona. And there's a reason why those three teams are all, you know, at the top of the conference. Um, And we even struggle with that to some degree against Oregon as well. And Oregon, oh, by the way, Oregon, there's a reason why Oregon was projected, I want to say 29th um, heading into the year by Ken Palm, right? Before they lost a whole bunch of games early in the year and then, Somehow lost to Cal and Arizona State. Arizona State's not terrible, but you know what I mean? Those four teams in particular have stifled us really in a way. Arizona State did it too, but, you know, those four teams really stifled us in a way that other teams have not. And it's because they just are long in places where we are not. And we have two guards that cannot get to the rim. And I know we thought that Michael Flowers was kind of... Well, they can get to the rim. There's just nothing they can do once they get there. Yeah, which I guess is why they don't really try most of the time. Yeah, you see Ty Ty get by his man. Yeah, he'll get into the paint, but no no shots going up. Yeah, if he he throws up a shot, it's bad news, or or he'll just have to kind of dribble out. Right. And there's really just no threat to score. I guess that's kind of what I'm driving at. Yeah. You know, there's just no threat to get to the rim and flowers for being thought of as a one to one. And there are and I don't want to down talk the guy because there are a lot of things he does really well. Um, he takes care of the basketball. He has worked his ass off to be a uh, a point guard, which he has not been at any point in his career. Um, so he's worked really hard to do that. He's worked really hard on his defense. So I am not trying to, like, drag the kid down, but he is still six feet tall. And that means that there are certain limitations on what he can do. Isaac Bontom was six, three, you know, it might've been wild from time to time, but he could get to the rim. Um, we don't have that guy. And when you play a team like UCLA or USC or Arizona or Oregon, man, it just looks so bad. And I was looking today at our, um, Ken Palm, uh, history our two point percentage on offense under Kyle Smith has ranked in the three hundreds every year. That is, and I know that people have, um, you know, expressed certain thoughts about Kyle Smith and, you know, I obviously am a huge Kyle Smith believer. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that shit's concerning. 
That's like, okay, we've had three different rosters with three different lead players, and none of these teams have been able to score inside the arc. Um, that is, and you've added, that's like, you've added more major length. concerning. You've added yes. more length the last two years in the post yes. with Abagidi and Gay and Jackson, and um, even add, you know, you had a 6 8 wing and Yakamovsky, yep. you had a big, strong yep. wing and, and Bamba. And you got still, six five Noah Williams. Yep. You know, who theoretically should be able to get there and finish. TJ Bamba, same kind of build. Not really thicker, but same kind of height and length as as Noah. I man, I hmm. It's a I mean, it's a quandary to me. I don't know if you have ideas about why it is. I just know that I look at that and go, you can't you you can't make the tournament doing that. And and we're like we're in twelfth place in conference play and two point percentage, and we're not just in twelfth, like, oh look, we're ranking last. We are like a distant like 12th. 3% we are like behind. Yeah. We're shooting just a hair over 40% on twos. Twos. Right? Like I I don't and I'm sure it keeps Kyle Smith up at night and John Andershek up at night and Derek Phelps and Jim Shaw. I'm sure they all up at night trying to figure out how to get more two point looks, but I man, three years of this is uh it's it's tough to figure out like why it keeps happening and and I, I'm leaning toward at this point without knowing exactly why that it's there's got to be something systemic going on. Like, I don't know how you can have C.J. Ellaby and Isaac Bonton. And then, as you mentioned, you know, all these guys that you added, they're now sophomores and you can't and you can't score. Well, yeah, you have you have Noah Williams, who's taken the most twos on the team and he's shooting just under 38 percent on twos. And right, he's a guy that was at. He was at 42% last year. Yeah, 42%. Um, that's a huge dip. Which is still too have, low, but that's a huge dip. Yeah, that's dip. still too dope. Yeah, I mean, it is. But, the, I mean, it's it's more explainable given how many, like, mid-range shots he takes. But this sure. year, he's not getting the ones at the rim anymore. Um, yep. He just he just hasn't been finishing at the rim. Like, he obviously, he definitely showed more flashes on offense this weekend than he has in a lot. He did. You know, he, and that he's was definitely, a bright spot, for he's, sure. He's on, he's on the rise on offense, but he's still not, you know, it's still not there. Um, not from a guy that's taken his percentage of shots to have his low of a shooting percentage, particularly inside the arc. And then you have Roberts, who's taken 105 twos, which is third on the team and the amount of, you know, just the ma- mass amount of twos they've taken. And he's at 36%. Like, so you, you got, you got FA and gay who are over 50%. Um, FA close to 60 gay, probably a little, I mean, we, a guy with his frame is not going to be a probably 60% guy unless he's getting tons of open looks, which he does get some right, open dunks, dunks, but, but he's not, <clears throat> he's not getting a ton of finishes in the post and all that. Um, so 50, you know, 52, 53%. But then, yeah, like outside of that, you just got a bunch of guys that are strong. Like even, you know, Andre's really di- nose dived on twos and Bamba who started out strong against better competition. Obviously he didn't play this weekend but or on, on Sunday but uh but he he's he's been not as been strong. You know, having Jackson out is hurt. Um yep. that's another guy that can finish inside. Um yep. so they just but you know you know Rodman has really been the most efficient when he actually gets gets in there, you know. But but it's yeah. just 
But when you have these guys up top that are taking, you know, Flowers is only 41 and 95. He, you know, he takes twice as many threes as take twos. But um, you have these guys up top like Flowers and Roberts and Williams who are shooting the lion's share of your shots and they can't finish inside. Um, that's how you end up like this. And, you know, we saw against UCLA, we were, you know, you kind of had this up like, okay, maybe Flowers and, you know, and Roberts could do a little better because, you know, Tiger Campbell, for how, how quick as he is on offense and, and tough to stop, still on defense, he's still a 5'11 guy, you know, 5'10 guy. Right. But he was scratched late. <laughs> and they played Jalen like Watson. the worst possible thing yeah. to happen. They played, they played Jalen Watson um, instead. And he's six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds, and and just absolutely obliterates them. And Michael Michael Flowers goes for three points. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's it, it, and I don't know how you solve it. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like I don't, I don't think there's a solution here. Like I think okay, Michael well, yeah, Flowers we had graduate. Big guards. We had bigger guards last year. Yeah. I mean, for, I you could say probably last year there was a lot of shot selection issues. You know, you, and Bonton was just Smith's taking a lot of shots. Smith's teams haven't always been bad at twos. Like, I'm looking back through his history at Ken Palm. Like, like it's not like this is a consistent problem. It's just been like a thing at Wazoo that he hasn't been able to, for whatever reason, has not been able to crack. And I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. And I'm sure... You know, they'd point to a lot of things that you said, things like um, Deshaun Jackson being out. Like, I, I mean, him being in against USC was huge. Like, you looked at him and you went, God, he's a difference maker, right? And I do think he's kind of tailor-made for a matchup against USC because they are, you know, kind of thick up front. You got, you know, Isaiah Mobley and, um, you know, that crew up up front. But at the same time, it's just like, God, you go, you think about what could have been. But, you know, is, is Deshaun Jackson the difference between shooting 40% on twos and you know, something like 50% on twos. Like he's not right. Because our main issues are our guards can't make twos. And, and there's just nothing you can do about that. I mean, some people are even like, maybe we should play Ryan rap. And I'm like, you know, Ryan rap played this weekend and he turned the ball over on his first three touches. Like, I mean, I don't know what you want. I, I, I love the kid and he's, he's try hard hustle guy, but you know, it's like, he's not the answer. Um, you know, maybe Miles Rice was the answer, but they decided at some point they were going to redshirt him. I mean, or maybe he decided he wanted to redshirt. I don't really know, but because um, Miles Rice is uh, ostensibly six four, you know, it's a little you know, bigger. But you had Kulabali, who's a big guard, and but, but same problem was, as Rap. <laughs> yeah, he, he he turns it over. He also wasn't shooting well on twos. Like he he was looks a lot like Bomba in a way where they can get to the rim and they just aren't finishing. Like they right. see, they have, they seem like they have the strength and they have the, the athleticism to get to the rim and they're just not finishing the shot. And then, you know, it was the absolute, uh, against one of the best two point defenses in the country, potentially the best, uh, USC, it just totally bottomed out. Let's see. They're at, yeah, they're number one. I think they were number one before we played them too. Um, you go five of 32. Like if, they had a dream. They finally, finally, finally started hitting threes. Like, finally. After a month of clanking threes, they go 15 of 31 against USC. But yep. they torpedo it by 5 of 10 from the free throw line. 
USC going 19 to 25 in the free throw line, the whistle helped them a bit on that. But um, still, well, it does WC help was sh- when you take shots within, yeah, you know, a few feet of the rim. But but also, <laughs> there was. Although some- I guess USC did. I guess nine of USC's free throw attempts did come on uh, fouling three point shooters. So yes, I don't know. Um, Maybe but, we should but, get better at that. Yeah, apparently. Uh, we get called for flopping when we try to do that. I don't... Um, but, yeah, it's it's funny that the actual... So, the only... There was only three foul more fouls called on WCU in this game. And USC shot 15 more free throws. It's because I think it was like their first seven fouls were, uh, were shooting fouls. Which is just a statistical anomaly. <laughs> Okay, I don't, yeah, um, but USC was, I mean, they were getting in the paint. You know, they wanted to initiate contact driving to the basket, and, you know, it paid off for them. I mean, I WSC, really it's not like WSC wasn't in the paint. WSC was getting offensive rebounds. They were getting yeah, that's true. the ball down low. They, like, they, you know, there was contact. It was just the refs were, you know, they they, they weren't in the shooting motion when it was happening. Um, there was a yeah. – there, there was one – where F.A. was jumping up at the rim with the ball underneath the rim and got fouled, and the ref called it on the ground. So Yes. Um, but, you know, still, the, you know, they hit 15 of 31, but then they go 5 of 32 on twos. Like, 5 of 32 on two-pointers. F.A. Abogidi is on this team. He went 0 for 3. Muhammad Gay took one shot. Oh for one. You know, yeah. Deshaun Jackson, for all he was doing, was still only two for five. Noah Williams, who you know, when he had that hot start and he was he was really good in the first half. In hitting Made a threes, few threes. Like everyone. You you get kind of worried and then, you know, he just again He's taken a lot of shots in the paint. Once he kind of starts feeling like, feeling himself in the game a little more, and he what and it two of ten inside the paint. It's just or not inside the. I mean, a lot of those are in the paint for him, but two of ten inside the arc. And he's kind of a guy when USC was playing zone that you were hoping could help bust us out of it. Um, that I did hear maybe he got a knock or something. Because uh, he came out in a couple of possessions late, but uh, we'll see where that goes. But then you have, because you, you have uh, Ty Roberts going four of eight from deep, one of four on twos. Flowers going four and nine from deep, oh, two on twos. Yakimovsky, freshman year, Yakimovsky, basically, three of seven on threes, oh, of five on twos. And he missed some bunnies. Um, yep. And one of four on <clears throat> Miss and the free crucial, throws. crucial free throws. <sighs> yeah. Um, absolutely crucial free throws he missed. Uh, but, you know, they, they played the defense against a good offense, a tough yeah. offense to defend, a big team, held them yeah. under a point per possession. They did what they needed to do on the defensive end. They just didn't make well, enough shots. You know, and they, they well, did what they needed to do from the three-point line. But they, they, just, they did what they needed to do defensively, except for maybe... One possession. Which, Which you uh, know, like Ty Roberts does all he can, but when he's given up five, four or five inches yeah. to Boogie Ellis, 
Yeah. Like Boogie USC Ellis saw that matchup. They saw that matchup yeah, out mean, of the, and they were like, okay, you're keeping the ball. Right. I mean, he can, you're going to get a shot off one way or another. You're not going to have an issue with, you're not going to have an issue with getting a jumper. Maybe you can get to the rim, but whatever it is, you're going to get a shot off. Well, and Ellis had one of his best games in a while because he either had Roberts or Flowers on him the whole game. Yeah. And just an absolutely, I mean, look, again, our love for Kyle Smith, well-established. Having Roberts on him on the last possession was, like, indefensible. Like, that's just, I, there. there is no defense for that. I know Kyle came out after the game was like, well, he's been our best on-ball defender. Okay, maybe for staying in front of people, but that's not what you need there, right? Like, you just lock him up. You put, you roll out a lineup of, you know, five big guys, and you start with Noah Williams, right? Because you don't have to worry about offense. It's just one stop and a rebound. That's all you're trying to get there is one stop and a rebound. You're, you're not, you have no timeouts left. You're not calling timeout if they miss the shot. You're not trying to get up the floor. And I mean, you're just, all you're trying to do is get a stop and a rebound and get to overtime. So you do what? And then you, you should have run out something. Yeah. Yeah. With who they're putting on the floor, you can, you can put Noah on Boogie. You can put yes. Yaki on Peterson. You yes. put, um, you put, hell, put. I know they didn't play Gay very much, but putting Gay just freaking roll out, put, roll out the biggest lineup you got. Go Noah, Andre, Mo, Fa, and Deshaun. I mean, you could do and DJ just, too. Just roll like those. You could, fine, you could put, put DJ, DJ out on there, Isaiah White or whatever. Maybe, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe not have Fa on or something. I mean, I don't know. Like, or or maybe not Deshaun. Maybe leave your two best shot block. I don't know. Whatever. But it's like there was a way to roll out a really tall lineup there, and. You know, the idea that, again, not to Robert's fault, he's just short. <laughs> I mean, come on. You got to be you got to be smarter than that. And we weren't smart and we paid for it. We were just begging. I mean, look, the moment you ran him out there, you were begging for him to get a shot over the top of him. And if they had missed, it wouldn't have been because of anything Roberts did. It would have been because that we just got lucky and they missed. And he, you know. Backed him down into about a 12-foot jumper and no problem. That's pretty, pretty, that's pretty disheartening. Like there, there's other stuff that's just whatever, but um, that one I was just like, man, that is so – that in particular was so preventable and we didn't prevent it with something that was in our control. Um, we were coming out of a timeout. There was really no reason to do that and, you know, and we did it. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, coaches have brain farts. They overthink things. We talk about coach brain. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but, um, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. They, but, just everything this know, year has they, needed they to make be a, just a little bit better. They make a couple more of those two pointers and they, they win and like, it doesn't matter. And, or, or you know, too. a couple more free, a few more free throws. It's cause they did, there's so many things they did well. Like they, you know, they shot the threes finally. They, they rebounded. They out rebounded a very good yep. rebounding team. Yes, and they did. so it, it a very big team, and it, yeah, and they 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 were they won great the on both battle. ends. They were fantastic. They, USC was under twenty percent offensive rebounding. That is just that's incredible. So they they did so many things right, and that's why it's such a bummer. And I mean, this team is this team is the two thousand nine Cougs, right? Like it's basically the same team, yeah. like really elite defense. Really mediocre offense. Uh, the metrics overall say they're good, but they're losing a whole bunch of games and they're not going to make the tournament. 
and they're going to be and they're going to be in the NIT, right? I mean, that's well, they that, this just seems like the I same they, kind of they team. still they still have some work to do to get to the NIT at this point, but yeah, I mean, I think so. But we can say you know, okay, so yeah, if you <laughs> if you go out these last five games and don't win, you know, four of them, then yeah, you probably don't deserve to be in the NIT either. But I don't know. We, I mean. But yeah, they're they're up to. They should win four of them at the, least, and maybe the, if not five. With with the exception of the hot shooting from UCLA, overall in this stretch, the defense held up, and they're still the top defense in per play efficiency yep. in the Pac-12 during Pac-12 conference play, and their defense yep. adjusted efficiency has picked, ticked up to 19 for Ken Palm. So the top 20 defense yep. on Ken Palm right now, their offense is torpedoed. Uh, I think they peaked at, you know, they were, after that five-game winning streak, I think they were in the 70s, top 75. Now they're at yep. 110. Um, that's, you know, a lot of that was they just stopped shooting threes. That finally came back. Then they just totally, you know, they unbalanced that by having one of the worst two-point performances you're ever going to see. Um, it's It's wild how just... Things can't come together for them. Maybe yep. one game it did against Colorado, and for the even the wins have been a struggle for the most part. And yep. it, and they just it's just not. It never came together for them in this. You know they 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 were right there on Monday and Sunday. To get two wins, that would they if they would have gotten those two wins, Oregon and USC, we're still talking about them as being potential tournament team. Oh yeah, oh for sure. I mean, we you know I wrote about it heading into this uh, heading into this stretch, and I was like, okay, if you get if you get two of these right, and I <laughs> I said that Ken Palm's probabilities added up to ninety nine percent, which meant okay, we were probably going to get one of them and if you can get two of them then you know you've got that's two quad one wins you're you know firmly in competition for fourth place like like they absolutely would have been in competition or or mentioned with uh you know potential bubble teams um and, and it kind of made me chuckle because when okay the win probability was 99 percent. well i would argue we got 99 percent of the way to that one win yeah. And then, and then, and then the 1%, the 1% got us, got us at the end. So, um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about what a big stretch it was and they got none of them and, and we threw in a loss not to even, Arizona state for good. Not measure. even the Arizona so, state game. Like we threw that in just for funsies. Arizona state um, who's been fucking people up. <laughs> yes. They're, they're a better team than what they show, which I, I kind of always thought they would be a better team than what we, we were kind of. Uh, thinking they were just because, um, you know, you look at some of the teams they play, they played a tough, tough non-conference schedule and they had some close losses to some pretty good teams. And then they had some other head scratching losses to some bad teams, but um, you know, you could sort of see the potential. And as we know, you know, when you play really good defense, um, you know, you can hang in there for a while and, you know, they, they've done it. They, you know, they beat UCLA, they beat us on the road. They uh, damn near beat um, USC. Right? No, Oregon. Who am I? Who am I thinking of? They played. They somebody. beat Oregon by twenty four. Yeah, they beat Oregon by twenty four. That one was crazy. And then they they almost beat they almost beat uh, somebody else. They lost. By, they lost to UCLA by uh, quite quite a bit. But they had they had just beaten them. Oh, maybe that's well. maybe that's what I was. Yeah, maybe that's what I was watching. Um, 
that they had. They, they had beat they were, UCLA. It was the rematch against weeks, UCLA. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the rematch against UCLA, that was a tight, tight, tight game until like the last couple of minutes. Um, that was, I know it's a 14 point loss, but, um, but they were kind of right there and UCLA was sweating, uh, for a while. And that was at Poly. So yeah, Arizona State's proven to be a tough, a tough team to beat. Um, you know, that's a team I want no part of again in the, uh, in the conference tournament. I'd rather they go play, I'd rather they go play somebody else. That'd be great. Um, I'd, I'd like to not play them again. And also because um, the games are still so aesthetically displeasing. Oh my God. Like the worst games you could ever want to watch. So all of Arizona state's games look like that. Like they all do. So, um, they're, they're just painful. They, and they play that way on purpose, but, but yeah, it's, it's know. ultimately it's frustrating. Anyway. The Cougs, they've, they've improved in controllable, you know, what you feel like is more controllable areas this year where, Smith wanted to improve, so they improved their turnover percentage drastically. And they've improved their forced turnovers drastically over last year. So they, yeah. they've they f- flipped that turnover margin for themselves. You know, they, they've they been... I mean, let's say they've, uh, they've regressed in defensive rebounding. Um, but... You're talking one or two a game. Um, they're also, because their two-point defense is so good, because their defense is so good, they don't get burned on the offensive rebound. You know, giving up an offensive rebound isn't a death, they, you know, right. death, death blow. But, yeah, they, but they've just, the shooting has, it, it's been so bad. You know, they, like, yeah. they, they, seem to have more three point shooters than they did last year. But they're shooting worse on the whole. And they're just as bad as they were last year shooting inside the paint or inside inside the arc. I keep saying that. Well inside the paint too, but inside the arc. <laughs> yeah. And despite adding another six eleven guy and even despite honestly like improved two point percentages from from Yakimovsky and Rodman, they're still just they're they're the same crappy shooting team that they were last year. So they've improved yeah. in in many things, but they have not improved in shooting, and that's why they haven't taken that step. Because shooting yep. is the most important thing. Like <laughs> we, yeah, like your shot volume it does not matter if you can't hit the shots. Like, it just doesn't yep. matter. Like, you can yep. get all the offensive rebounds you want. If you can't score off the offensive rebound, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's it, it, it's it's frustrating. Like, I think I've went on this rant already, but, like, we I love shot volume. But it's so yeah. frustrating just to watch us miss the shots over and over yes. and over again. Like, yes. like, just why can't I – why can't these guys – like shoot, obviously Noah has tanked, obviously shooting, but and Flowers is kind of exactly what you'd expect. Yeah, like he probably he shoots less than I thought he would, but he's his his numbers are probably pretty much right on with you know his two points are just a little bit. He doesn't shoot as many two pointers as he did at South Alabama, which is not surprising. Like you would have not expected right. him. You, I mean, the you, defense is just. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, a di- it's a different. It's a different yeah. deal. I mean, just the size of the players he's going against. And I mean, and, when he was at Western Michigan, he actually shot more twos than threes. Yeah, I, I'd say year. even like Roberts is probably I. His three point shooting has been disappointing. I mean, thirty three percent. That's that can't be what they wanted. No, I mean he's got. I mean, let's let's be real. He has to shoot like forty percent. Yeah, and so to I know be, we, we've said this. To be a we've player this, at that but, size, but it's just that there's just all these players that just aren't giving you what you hoped. Even you know Yaki is six foot eight. You would hope he could make more than. I mean, he's made the ticket. He's made a huge leap in the two point shooting, but still, come on, forty two percent. We need more than that. Right. You're a big, strong dude. Even yeah. you know. F.A., when he plays the bigger guys, is struggling. And same with Mo. You know, and Deshaun isn't quite, you know, didn't quite take the leap. Obviously, he hasn't got to play as much. But even when he's in there, I think he didn't quite take the leap that we were hoping. Yeah. Um, and really, the only guy that's... That's... Uh, I mean, he's basically the same player as he was last year. He's just made two point more two point shots, and he's missed more three point shots. But he's made up for it by being so good in, inside the arc. Is is DJ? Yeah. But all the other guys, just like Inbamba, started out the season really well, very you know very efficient scorer. That's tapered off, and and obviously he's he struggled with injuries at multiple times, and so they're just not getting. I guess what you're hoping for, but like some of the guys you kind of expect, but we just have enough guys tanking that you just keep, you stayed the same shitty shooting team that you were for two years in a row. And maybe it flips, you know, when it, in Tony Bed's first year, the fourth year with the Bennett's, like suddenly all these guys who couldn't make a damn shot the year before started hitting them like Weaver and Lowe and Harmling and, you know, Harmling was hurt the year before, but, 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 you know, like, these guys started hitting shots that they weren't hitting the year before. I guess you're kind of hoping that we have another year next year where that just clicks and you you just have guys that start shooting better because otherwise we're in for just more frustration because like, it's like, why can't we shoot better? Like it just doesn't, it's, it's so frustrating and, and it's not, just that they're hoisting threes, like you almost they should be hoisting threes because of how bad they are in the inside the arc. Like they just you want them to get in the paint and take closer yeah. shots, but they miss the damn shots. Like, I, yeah, I mean I'm not I I know that, you know, so many of our fans have been like, Oh, they do is run around and chuck up threes and I'm like, Okay, but what would you rather they do? <laughs> like like, okay, I mean I get it. Uh it's you know, shooting threes all day is uh, not everybody's, you know, cup of tea. It's not fun to watch I, I, unless they're. Making. I'll readily admit I like it more than most. Like I don't mind, you know, shooting threes, and I mean that's. I mean, that's it's it's not fun to watch if they're clanking them. Sure, if they're clanking all of them, but I'm also. I mean, you like, like it when they shoot. Would I rather make, watch somebody? If you, yes, well, yeah, which was yes. Would I rather they shoot threes or would I, I rather can understand they get their shit why knocked in the fifth row? Get, like. Well, I yeah, I mean, I could just understand why people, when we shoot six threes in a row and they all miss, and like, it's just, you're just naturally going to get frustrated. At least the threes got a chance. <laughs> At least the threes got a chance. I know, but chance, it doesn't, like, know? it's just, it's, like, there's, there's possessions we get off, we miss, 
offensive rebound, kick it back out, guy misses again. You know, yes. like it's just I, I can see where people get frustrated, but at the same time, yeah, I'd rather have the guy shoot the open shot from twenty two feet than yes. the contested blocked shot from five right. feet. Get swatted into the fifteenth row, you know. And yeah, if trying to if we could get more shots, if we could get more shots for FA and Mo and Deshaun inside, one, we don't have creators. That's frustrating. Two, those guys aren't efficient in the post. Like they're just not guy, especially they don't, you know, they don't have post against moves. FA doesn't have any post moves. Mo is still a really young player who, yeah. who well, I mean, he's got like he's yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's got a so-so that jumper that kind of comes and, and they goes. Figured that yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm. I'm just. You know. I'm. I'm throwing up shit right now. I have no idea. I just. It's frustrating. It's hard to watch. It's. Uh, it's difficult. And and yet, um, they'll probably look a million times better over the next you know two and a half weeks as they. As they play Washington twice, Oregon State twice, and then Oregon. So uh, everything will probably look not, a lot better no against one's, those guys. It's I, I'm not ready to automatically say that against Washington because Washington plays okay. an ugly ass, gross ass defense. And yes, that is true. And it's it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of that passing around the top of the key that drives people crazy it is because i don't but think it's not a, showed, it's not i don't think zone. i don't think we've i don't think we it's not well it's not a terrible zone like they're top 100 i mean they're Kempom. i mean they're, yeah but they're in conference play they're giving up 1.05 a game and yeah but we're scoring schedule we we're have. scoring we're scoring 0.97 so like okay and i don't and we what do we have to beat a zone other than shooting uh, well, they give up offensive rebounds on 35% of their possessions. And then what do we do with that offensive not named rebound? Washington State. Well, I know, but Craig, Craig, I'm trying here. I'm really trying. Like, I, they I just do don't give think up it... 53% on twos. They do give up 53% on twos. So maybe there's hope for us in this. Maybe one. there's hope. Yeah. And yeah, they there don't is... block a lot of shots. You know, you know I, th- I think we're going to turn the ball over more against them. Well, yeah, I, that's that's pretty likely. Uh, they don't, you know, we're probably not going to shoot very many free throws. We never do. Well, we used to at the start of the season. Um, <laughs> not anymore. Well, honestly, it was at the start of the season, the refs are calling shit tighter. And yes. they have stopped calling, which is fine, honestly. Of course, I don't care. they always like, do. They thanks. always do. I just wish they would do it all year. Um, but I yeah, so there's... I mean, yeah, UW is not that good. They've also beaten a lot of teams that you wouldn't think they would beat. And they beat us last year when they shouldn't have beat us. And so uh, it's just, and yeah, you look at our offense versus their defense. This should be, you know, a, a time when we could do better on offense. And our our defense versus their offense you know, I'm a bit worried about Ter- Terrell Brown just eating yes. our tiny guards up alive. Like, yep, I think that's that's absolutely fair. And that's really the only guy you have to stop. Yep. But 
Yeah, they and don't really I, have a credible threat otherwise. And and we you know our bigs can neutralize Nate Robertson's side. He's listed at six eleven. There's no way that dude's six eleven. No, no. Was, was he was he listed at six eleven last year? I don't know. Let me look. Is he one of those magic grow yes. guys? He, well, he was listed. He was six ten as a freshman, and then he grew to six eleven. He ain't six. He's like six nine. Yeah, when he stands next to Mo, he's not going to look six eleven. No. But, yeah, and obviously they play occasionally Riley Sword, not very often. Not very often. I bet he'll he'll see some time against us, but, like, just just for size. Um, Well, what's crazy about Terrell Brown is, like, he does – he is the rare high-volume scoring guard these days that does all of his damage at at the rim. Like, and mid-range jumpers, too. I mean, he'll do it all from inside the arc. Um, incredibly efficient player. Well, the one hundred seven offensive are, rating. Yeah, thirty two percent possessions. <laughs> while yeah, get, basically he just gets to the line and, and shoots twos. Like that's all he does. I mean, and it, he's and only it, shot forty five threes all year. It's he's crazy. almost thirty fifth, thirty five percent in conference usage. Yeah, and yeah, really he, unique he, player. Uh, it's it's not so much the shots at the rim that that worry me. It's those mid range shots. Yes. And we saw him hit like five in a row against Arizona earlier that kept, you know, got him in that big lead. Yeah. And, he, you know, if, if and our he's guys. He's going to be able to get that shot anytime he wants. Like, that's not going to You know, be I'm worried about him. Issue. Worried about him kind of bending the rotation. So, because he's, if, if he's able to shoot over Roberts and Flowers, he's going to, uh, there it's going to necessitate help and then that's when that's when Nate Roberts gets dunks and you know yeah uh you know Emmett Matthews hits an an open three or whatever you know cuz right. they really don't have all their other all their other guys are like 65 and above like we can't it's not like we can go oh just put Noah on him that'll be fine well yeah, like because if you've got Noah and Michael Flowers and Tyrell Roberts all on the floor at the same time. Okay, who are those two guys? You going to put Tyrell Roberts on uh, on Emmett Matthews at six seven? Like you going to put you going to put Michael Flowers or or Tyrell Roberts on Jamal Bay? Like like <laughs> who are you going to put those guys on? Like it's yeah, it's uh, it is it I is mean, a I, bit of a matchup could, issue for us for I, sure. I could see them putting Noah on Brown. And well, then yeah. potentially put, you know, putting, you know, if Dejon Davis is in the game, they might be able to hide flowers on him because he's just more a very perimeter oriented player. Um, yeah, but that's, but still it's, you know, Dejon Davis is going to be able to rise up without a hand in his face. Yep. I do wonder, and, I mean, we keep saying this, but you I mean, know, maybe they, maybe they drag out the zone and go zone heavy. I don't know. I mean, it might it, it might work against this team because they're not a great three you know, point you, shooting team. They don't have. If you're just a trying single... to keep him out of the paint, that might be the way to go. And UW doesn't even Make shoot that many threes as a team. Like they're yeah. they they're not looking to do that. So yeah, it's just Brown is because he's he's so so far and away their best offensive player, and their most so far and away their most important offensive player. You know, it, it it's like it's like if Bonton the last two years was hitting everything, <laughs> like and or I guess it's more like if he wasn't turning the ball over so much, 
or you know turning the ball over less. Not that because Bonta didn't really turn the ball over a ton, but some days he did just because he had the ball so much. Um, but yep. you know if he was making shots more often, that's because he. So he uses the possessions more than Bonton did last year. Like he takes shots more often than Bonton did last yep. year, except he hits a few more of them, particularly inside the arc and, and gets to the free throw line and hits his free throws more. He's just a, yeah, he's a dangerous player and he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he was pretty good at Seattle and then he transferred to Arizona and, you know, didn't, he was, you know, a role player for them and, um, you know, coaching change and he leaves, you know, I mean, I don't know if, you know, who knows if Tommy Lloyd was like, Hey, we don't need you anymore. I mean, you know, I don't know. And maybe he just wanted to come home. I mean, he's a Seattle kid. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard not to look at him and go, fuck man, if we, if we could have just gotten him, you know, it's like, um, you know, he would have been the answer to all of our prayers. Uh, you know, just that one guy would have completely changed, uh, the dynamic of this team. Uh, yeah, he, cause he's a, cause he's, he's assisting on like 30 some percent of Washington's shots too. Like he's, he's not a, he's not a black hole. Like he's a really, really good player. Yeah, he just um, he'll play in the NBA. Yep. You know, he's a good ball player. Um, yeah, he's yeah. he's the one guy we gotta. You know, it seems like when we lose to Washington, we do just get torched by somebody, um, and and he is very very good. Yep. Um, so, you know, whenever we play Washington, anything you always look for reasons to worry, and so those are those. Uh, obviously, like when you're looking at the de- defense and offenses in the hole, like WSU you know, should come out on top, but you know, you dub in large part because of Brown has won a lot of games that people, you know, that they didn't look like they should win, but they also bought him out. They, you know, yes. When it's bad, it's bad. When it's bad, it's bad. And it's usually if Brown is bad, you know, against UCLA, he was not good. And 13 points, they got trounced 26 point loss. You know, and against Arizona, once he stopped controlling the game, once he stopped hitting every single shot, you know, he had a good game overall. But once he was, you know, done taking, you know, every single shot and hitting every single shot, you know, six to six in a row, I think he was six to six, seven of seven to start the game. And then he finishes nine of 19. Yeah. So, you know, like, like, well, it, yeah. Let me hit you with this one. Four times this year he scored twenty eight or more points and they've lost. Wow. So what's it? So I, what? What? When he scores those twenty eight points and over and they lose, is there is is there something that's similar? You know, I see. You know, I see Arizona the first time he was still good. Like he and the you know both times against Arizona he was still pretty good. Like uh, yeah, pretty efficient. You know, one yep. ten and over. Yeah, um, on both of those. The other two. He had thirty so, against Stanford, and they lost. Wyoming, he, he 30, was thirty against Wyoming, and they lost. He was nine of so. twenty five. He was nine of ten from two. So he did, and he had some assists. So he, so he took twenty nine shots. He did take yeah. twenty nine shots in that against game. Stanford. Against Wyoming. And Wyoming, twenty nine shots. Ten of twenty nine. Yeah. Nine of twenty five from two. Yeah. yeah. So. 10 of 29. So yeah, I mean, yeah, if he's, if you're holding him to 30, if he's, if he's scoring 30 on, he's taking 
30 shots and 10 free throws to get there, you're probably okay. I mean, maybe, I mean, this has got me kind of rethinking. I mean, maybe you're better off just letting him get his and make sure nobody else gets you because the rest of the players are just not good offensive players. You know, make sure he doesn't set up anybody for any easy looks, make him work hard to get his buckets and then hope he wears out. I don't know. I don't know. That one's going to be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Going to be interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, because Arizona State. I'm glad this one's at home. I'm Arizona glad this first State one's at home. Limited his usage more than anybody. And Arizona State got their butts kicked. Yep. By UW. So maybe we're on something. Let yeah, the good player have his good day. <laughs> don't Yeah. Don't let don't let Nate Roberts. Just don't let anybody Bennett else beat Matthews you. Matthews beat you. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the coach. I don't get paid a million bucks to coach. So and then then before before we record again, they'll play Oregon State as well, who is potentially the worst Pac-12 team in history, which is kind of crazy. There was a let's see. I, in terms of Ken Palm ranking, they're actually not close. There was a Utah yeah, team that was there's some Cal like the team. There was a Utah but, team. Yeah. But in terms of results, yeah. but in terms of record, they might they might be close in terms of record. I mean, they've went zero and eighteen in conference play in the Camp Palmera too. Yes. Like, yeah. Um, but but yeah, when you're talking three total wins in yes. a season so far, uh, and that yeah, Utah team that I was just deriding actually beat us. So yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. Remember I remember that one. one. But yeah, so they just. Uh, Obviously, Elite Eight team last year who wasn't that good and then won, uh, like, how many games in a row? It was, like, seven games in a row to get the Elite Eight. Uh, Totally have bottomed out on defense this year. Uh, Really bad defending in the paint. Really bad defending three-pointers. They give up a ton of three-point shots, so they're just giving up tons of open threes. Uh, But also, they're pretty easy scoring inside. They cannot rebound the misses. (laughs) Like... It's one of the worst defenses you'll ever see. This is a team that if WSU struggles to score against... Sound the alarms like more well, than ever. Like where where we were talking about our two point offensive percentage not being just twelfth but twelfth by a mile. That's also Oregon State's defense, their per possession defense in conference. They're giving up one point one eight points per possession, which is just like so insanely bad. Utah is second worst at one point oh seven. So like it's hard to uh, explain. Oh, I mean, you just think of it like over the course of a uh, of a normal like you know seventy possession game or something. That's a seven point difference between Utah and Oregon State, right? Am I doing the math right on that? So point point one points per possession, seventy possessions. That's seven points, right? I'm doing the math right on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Seven possession or seven point difference between 12th place, theoretical seven point per game difference between 12th place and 11th place. Oregon State is very, 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 very bad on defense. One of the worst defenses you'll ever see, probably. And uh, 
Orith Alatiche didn't play in their last game. I don't know if he's how bad he's hurt. Um, but he's obviously one of I would think one of their best defensive players. Um, and he didn't even play. Uh, I don't know what's up with him. Um, he's having a he had a he also only played six minutes. Uh, earlier in the season because of a knee issue, so I don't know what's going on with him. Um, you really have to be in deep with the beat, beat reporters to know college basketball injuries. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's like a season-ending surgery situation. Yes. And unless uh, they are a, a really good team or something. They do have some yeah. size. Um, Maurice Kalu doesn't really use his size. He plays outside mostly. Um. And then uh, Roman Silva, he's, you know, he's a load to guard. So their offense isn't, like, awful. Uh, it's actually been better than ours in conference play. Um, they're, they don't turn the ball over a lot. You know, they, they make twos at a decent rate, which is frustrating. This terrible team can shoot twos, and we can't. It's like, what the fuck? Like, come on. Um. Yeah, so it's going to be, you know, they should paste them, but I don't know. Like, it's such. <laughs> I know, they've got us second guessing everything at this point, right? I know, it's just. It sucks, but yeah, I mean, these next three before, and then they play Oregon State and Oregon to finish it out. I mean, that these are all games they should win. Will they? They should. You know? You can make a strong argument they should go 5-0 and to finish the year. You could. You could. I you won't. Could. But you could. <laughs> I mean, the likely, what Ken Palm has predicted on the, if you the, you know, add up the probabilities, it's 4-1. and 4-1, and one. yep. Which, if you know, honestly, if you're into, you know, meaningful finishes... Finishing eleven and nine in conference play would be a pretty big deal for this program that has not had a winning conference record. Oh yeah, in almost fifteen years, in fourteen years, so it it'd be huge. And you know, you have the. I mean, it's gonna be tough. You have a lot of games and not a lot of time, but it's uh, and and you have the teams that you can beat, uh, but you know. We didn't think they'd lose to Arizona State, and you know, really the the only like when you look at the schedule now, like the biggest head scratching losses are Eastern and Arizona State, and then a lot yeah. of the other ones are kind of explainable. Um, yeah, it teams that are better than people probably realize, and you know honestly they they've not been at full strength very often. Uh, maybe if Bamba can get back, they're hoping this weekend, maybe on Wednesday, but probably not. Um, they will be, I think, have their top eight for the first time all year, or at least in a long time. Maybe the first time since like we were playing the Alcorn State and Seattle's of the world. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe that will help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe they'll maybe they'll hit just a few more twos to end the season to make us happy. Uh, but yeah, we should probably um, take a break uh, and then talk about 
you know, the happier results in basketball, the team that did exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, but first we will take a quick break. we're back well before we talk about women's hoops um i say i want to know what are you drinking <laughs> well craig i went to costco as you might guess no. uh yeah yeah I, I found myself at costco and uh i found uh the el Fremonto. West Coast IPA, a collaboration between Fremont and El Segundo. Now, I am not familiar with El Segundo. I'm sure you are because mm-hmm. um, you're familiar with everything beer-related. But, uh, yeah, it's delicious. West Coast IPA, delicious. Got that nice, you know, piney, resiny flavor to it. Uh, it's delicious, and I'm glad I bought it. That's your Costco uh, beer review of the week. Yeah. Back to you. Um, El Segundo <laughs> is... Kind of, they've been around a while. Uh, I don't know exactly yeah. how long. Uh, definitely one of the OG breweries in the Los Angeles area, which didn't. I was going to have... say this strikes me as kind of an OG IPA. Yeah, so they kind like, of they made of what we got going. They were they, yeah, they were kind of one of the back of the day, one of the the breweries cranking out those big hoppy you know IPAs, the biggest the biggest hoppiest IPAs you could find like when that was the thing like in 2010 yeah they were they were definitely one of those breweries doing that stuff um yeah i always say you know what i've mostly had for them have been west coast IPAs very good ones typically um they also do some collaborations with uh, uh Steve Austin uh if you're a wrestling fan um so they have like broken skull beer that there's like an IPA. I think they're, they've actually made more than one Steve Austin beer, but I, they know they have broken skull IPA. It's one of their popular beers because people love Steve Austin. And as I've learned as an adult, a lot of fucking people like wrestling. So yes, that (laughs) is especially on Twitter. Um, I did not realize this. Um, uh, I guess I just didn't grow up watching it. So I never got into it. And so I didn't get into it. I think there was a long time where it was kind of like, like a, um, I I don't want to say like dirty little secret. Like that's not the way to put it. But it's like everybody's little like own personal like uh, you know indulgence, right? Like they're at home, they watch wrestling, and then it's like Twitter comes around. Everybody realizes like how many other people are also doing that, <laughs> right? It's like all of a sudden, hey, you're you're into wrestling. I'm into wrestling. Like yeah, so exactly. Um. So yeah, that's. I mean. Uh, is it good? You said it's good. That's good. I mean, yeah, I'm it's all delicious. About West, Coast, West Coast IPA. Absolutely. Days, you know? Back yep. into them. Absolutely delicious. Uh, I've got one can left. I'll bring it over on Thursday when uh, when I come pick you up for the Sounders. Sounds good. You know, because I definitely can't find that beer that you can buy at Costco made by Fremont. No, no, you're gonna you're gonna have to I work hard to find yeah, it. So I'll bring it'll one be, to you. It'll be real tough. I definitely haven't seen it at <laughs> beer stores and not bought it. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> 
Um, but see, but, if I give you one, then you don't then you don't have to buy it, right? Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, you drink so, it. Yeah, you know, I just came back from the South. I was in North Carolina for a wedding uh, without my children for five days. It was glorious. Woo! Um, yes, I'm I sure drank, it was. I drank a lot of beer, did a lot of day drinking. Um, the beer I'm drinking, I did not get in the South or 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 bring back, but it is from the South. Uh, it's from Nashville, where I, I, of course, lived for two years, and this brewery did not exist when I lived there. Um, Southern Grist Brewing. Um, from Southern Grist, I'm having kind of one of their flagships is uh, Double Dry Hopped Mixed Greens. Uh, what they say is you're holding the latest in our rotating New England style India Pale Ale series. Each batch brewed with a unique calm combination. See bottom for series number. Now the funny thing is, when I lived in Nashville, I don't know if these guys worked at Yazoo or maybe um, were just influenced by this, but Yazoo had a beer called, I think they still do, called Hop Project, uh, an IPA that it, they they would change the hops combination every time and they would have a number and you could look it up the number is all smudged so i can't see it and tell you what the hop combination is um but but yeah i wonder if if yazoo which was my go-to brewery is really one of the only craft breweries when i lived there now there's a lot more in in nashville and southern grist being one of the top ones um but yeah you know it's a it's just a hazy ipa it tastes good It, it tastes Tastes like every goddamn ACFPA. <laughs> like, <honestly. laughs> like what? Yep. They, yeah, they they are all they are all merging together for me at this point. Yeah, they're not a lot to separate. And there's a lot of jokes about like you know they change the hop combinations. It's like, yeah, no one. Yeah, so so we're we're using we're using Citra and and Mosaic and and HBC whatever this time. And next time we're using Citra and Mosaic and Amarillo. And and everyone could definitely uh, <laughs> taste a difference, um, and it's hazy. If bro. you can't taste a difference, I am very skeptical that anybody can taste a difference. That's just. I mean, sometimes if it's like a single process. hopped IPA, or there's like a dominant hop, uh, there's some that have like such pronounced um, qualities. Like like if you have a, a super galaxy hopped IPA, you get tons of like pineapple. Um, and if you have like a, a super, an overly hopped mosaic IPA, if it's like overdone with mosaic, uh, you could definitely venture into the cat pee <laughs> range. <laughs> so well, that sounds um, delicious for any, any of our listeners that, uh, uh, you know, smoke weed as well. It, you know, they have the same flavor compounds, that dankness that can be good in oh hops and hops and in weed if it goes a little too far, can venture into the smell of cat pee as well. Maybe so, I'll do that. Uh, maybe I'll do that next week because I still have some Tropic Chronic in my fridge. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is that that smell won't come through. Uh, won't come through the podcast. I had a friend come over and I was like, "No, you got to you got to smell this." I popped it open and had him smell it, and then I poured it out because I can't even drink it. Like it's just, it's so potent. Anyway. Back to yeah. you. Back to your beer. But yeah, Southern Grist, double dry hopped mixed greens, a hazy IPA. If you like hazy IPAs, you will definitely like this. It is just fine. It is good. It is well done. It's a style that everyone does now. 
Um, you know, I don't, I, I like them, but it's to the point where I, I, I bought this beer specifically to listen to on the podcast. Otherwise I would rarely buy a hazy IPA from out of town because they're just, you know, like I, whatever I can get around here is the same that you could get from the best breweries in Nashville or the, the best breweries in New York or the best breweries. And even in the, the Massachusetts ones where this came from, you know, where, where the style really got popularized, like it, it's, they're all the, they're, everyone's good at these now. I mean, there are okay. still breweries that are bad at them, but uh, sure. there's a it's, lot of breweries the difference that are good between, at them. Yeah. It's not hard to be, it seems like it's not hard to be good at it. Um, but yeah, if it's bad, then it's, it's obviously no good, but those are, those are pretty, you know, those are pretty tough to find. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people, my favorites for, for a while it was a breweries. Like it took them a while to kind of unlock the key to, uh, you know, having the suspended haze, um, and, and, and getting the mouthfeel from the, like the amount of the oats and, and the rolled oats and stuff you use. And once I unlocked that, like, Cause that was a big thing with these. It, there are there, you don't, you don't really put in much bittering hops and then, and then it's heavily dry hopped, heavily late aroma hops. So you're just getting a big, um, sensory experience on the mouth feel and a big sensory experience on the nose. And it's just, it, it's almost a different category. Um, yeah, pretty intense citrus flavors. Yeah. Citrus and, and papaya and, uh, you know, pineapple. I don't know if pineapple counts as a citrus, um, but they, you know, sure. tropical, tropical and citrus flavors versus, you know, maybe some pine or uh, more bitter citrus where you get the old ones like grapefruit and things like that. But so it's, it's, uh, it's different and it's probably oversaturated at this point, but you still get good. They're still good. And, yeah. um, if you're ever Extra in Nashville, still if you're ever great. in Nashville, I am, I'd highly recommend. Uh, checking out Southern Grist, uh, they make a beer. Uh, I also have a Pilsner for them, which I may crack in a second here because I'm almost done with the IPA. Yeah. Um, well, I've I've already moved on to the Pilsner, man. I got I got yeah. the Rogers Pilsner going. On. I, I like how you have adopted my Pilsner sidecar. Uh, I just have so much. It's, influence. it's a great. It's a fabulous way to finish the night. I know. It's crisp, it's, clean. I, there there was a time when I, I would like. You know, I would do my nightcap as like the a big dark beer. Like I, and yes. then you just get you're adding like five hundred calories, and then and plus the you're just, you get so much more drunk and hungover the next day because you drink it's this like big let's let's drink the big beer. one first, get all drunk, and then we'll just kind of add on top to uh, add lightly on top of it. Well, yeah, it was funny. You know, you know, doing my day drinking when I was in North Carolina, one of the days was in in uh, in Chapel Hill. There's a great beer bar called beer study which is grace is their college town you know great good stuff yeah, um and yeah. i had you know this big beer, and the same thing i went to another one of the beer bars um in durham called um shit sam's bottle shop and at both places i started out with like a big ass imperial like barrel aged stout and then i was like well i can't do that again because I, I it's 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 like you know, noon. So I got a, I got, I got a whole day of drinking ahead of me. And so I yep. got the big sweet thing out of the way. And then it was like Dortmund or lager or Pilsner or whatever after that. And which is, yeah, you used to build, you know, I used to build, they start with the light, 
and then go. Yes. But then you're like, eh, my palate will figure it out. Just just figure it out, palate. You could do it. Like you you can recover, man. Yeah. I that I am a firm believer that's the way to go. Because like if you start light and build toward the heavier stuff, man, like I don't know about anybody else, but by the end of the night, I am like I feel so full. And I just feel full. Oh yeah. Like, really, I, really full. I can't tell you how and many And I don't want to feel that way. I can't tell how many how many like beer shares I've been to where we do that. You know, we start with the lighter stuff. We would you know, you start you know, that it often would be like, you know, whatever the latest haze is you found. And, and then, and then the sours. And then, and then by the time you get the barrel aged stouts and the barley wines, your stomach is so goddamn full and people just want a little bit of it. And so then people are chugging what's left out of the, they're like, oh, we can't waste this. We got to yes. finish it. And then so everyone's just yeah. drinking to, and just making them like feel, making themselves feel terrible. <laughs> Um, and your stomach feels like it's about 80 inches around and you're just like, oh, well, if, yeah, so if you start beer. with the big beer, you can kind of level set. You set yeah. that expectation to your stomach. Like, yes. look, here's all the calories. You know, yes. I don't need that many more. Yes. That way, you know, when I Digest start drinking that the stuff, stuff and then, yeah, I, that's the way. To, I mean, your palate's wrecked, but you know, whatever. And also, you're not going to feel I mean, as bad if you dump a. Uh, half a half a can of half Rogers a Pilsner, Pilsner yeah, versus yeah. like a twenty five dollar bottle of barrel aged stout or something, you know? For sure. Like you're you're For not sure. gonna feel as bad there. So Yep. Big advocates of fucking over your palate, but also making your night better. So Yeah. I cheers to that. I am I am one hundred percent on board with big beer first, small beer at the end. So Je- Jeff, sometimes I feel like I've I, I I've kind of helped you speed along the beer nerd journey, like a little faster than I went through. For it. sure, yeah, no doubt about that. And I'm not taking yeah. all the credit, but I am taking a lot of the credit. Yeah, no doubt about that, man. I am uh, I am absolutely uh, you know pilsners and lagers now. Whenever I can find good ones, like they're just they're harder to. F- so like we talk about this, right? Like I am the as as you mentioned on Twitter, I am the world's foremost Costco beer reviewer. Um, which I, I love that. Uh, it, you know, it's just like the places where I am most often, right? Like I have a busy life. I got three kids, like, you know, things are, things are kind of crazy and you know, it's I, most often I'm at Costco, I'm at Winco and, you know, so I, I try to be kind of picky, you know, when I go there and a lot of what's at, you know, my Costco and Puyallup sucks and some of it's pretty good. And so, you know, I try well, to no grab Costco's the stuff going to have many, uh, craft loggers. No, and that's the thing. So they're not. Occasionally, so I've gotten, uh, I got a Black Raven lager, Oktoberfest lager that was pretty good. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was another one that was uh, that, that was pretty good. It was it was a Mexican lager, and I can't remember who, who brewed it, but it was pretty good too. But yeah, it's, you know, Pilsners especially. You don't see Pilsners at all, and it's almost all, it's almost all IPAs. So it's like, okay, fine, you know, but um but when I go to, uh, so I've got to go to get, you know, Pilsners, good Pilsners and lagers, pretty much. I got to go to Rainier Growlers and yeah, that's where I, I always stop. I don't stop by there as much as I probably should, but well, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's so, always, that's if I want to get a good set of Pilsners lagers, either go straight to the brewery or go, um, go, uh, uh, to a, a craft shop. But yeah, um, I guess we can, uh, uh, cleanse our palate of that bad weekend of men's hoops uh, with an absolute perfect weekend 
for the women. Um, two massive games, a fellow bubble team to start off on Thursday, and then a chance for a signature win that makes it almost like impossible for the tournament to, to committee to keep you out if you can get it. And so they start yeah. out on Thursday, Arizona State. I mean, these are two of the most complete games they've played all season. And, and it would, and it's really not because Charlize Ledger Walker was going off. You know, Charlize was in massive foul trouble for, uh, for, uh, most of the night against Arizona State. Only played 26 minutes. Um, and I don't know if you can fight a game when Charlie's only played 26 minutes that they won last year. I, you probably can't. I don't know. Um, no, I don't I'm know if sure. you fight a, I mean, neither a one of us is going to go back and look, but, but she, but I, I mean, she was, I'm positive that that's she, the case. She was very, very good in those 26 minutes, 13 points, five assists, uh, only one turnover, three rebounds, 13 points, uh, you know, on the, those, those 13 points on four of, on uh six of 11 shooting. So very efficient. But what we've seen this year is the other players have taken just massive step forward, steps forward. You know, it's exactly what we hoped for out of some of these players. So Bella has become more consistent in finishing inside. She's become yep. a lockdown uh, rim protector. Without committing a ton of fouls. Without committing nearly really as many nice. fouls as she did last year. Her effort. I hate I hate calling out effort for players. Yes. But honestly, and I'm sure Cammy would say this too. You know, maybe not on She's alluded on the, to it. She's alluded yeah, to it. Yeah, she's alluded to it. Bella's effort wasn't always consistent last year. This year she's locked in. So even when she has a shitty start to a game she usually comes back with a stretch where she is our best player for five minutes. And, and, and she has just become such a good defensive player that when she's not in the game, it is obvious. And, uh, you know, she came in this game, six to 10, 12 points, six boards, uh, you know, three blocks. That's, you know, what else do you need in 30 minutes? That's a great 30 minutes. And then you have, you know, Ula has been struggling lately, but she carried us earlier with her three point shooting you know, through some tough times when, you know, Charlize wasn't shooting very well. And then you have Crystal Ledger Walker, who has just become such a more efficient player. She hasn't been called upon to take 15 to 20 shots a game like she was last year. She only took uh, four shots in this game, two of four. Uh, she did have seven turnovers, which that still is yeah. an issue at times. I mean, she's she yeah. just takes her chance, you know, and, and yes. you know, you know, uh, Johanna Tether also had six turnovers, but she has just, her shooting has become so much more consistent and her finishing inside. Uh, so she was, uh, 11 of 19, or I'm sorry, seven of 12 in this game. I'm sorry, Crystal was only one of two. I, I, I was reading it like it was Ken Palm where they, they have the two pointers and three pointers, but, um, yeah. so yeah, uh, so Charlize was only four of seven. Um, so Johanna was seven and 12, four of seven from three. Her threes have become so much more consistent. Um, she would just go games without hitting one. And now she's, you know, she's canning, uh, you know, a couple every game and, and she's just using her athleticism and she's again a great defensive player. 
Um, she's ticked up her on-ball defense this year, um, and and WSU's defense has really been what's kept it, you know, kept it going because uh, they, like the men, have seemingly impossible offensive stretches. But they, you know, they didn't have that as bad against Arizona State, and they finished super strong and pulled away which has become a, a hallmark of this team. And I don't know, have, did you, um, Arizona State, did you get a chance to watch Arizona either one this weekend? I, I did get to watch most of the game against Arizona. Great. Which was a hell of a game. I should also mention Tara Wallach, by the way, who had a, a real nice game against Arizona State and then also hit a massive yeah, hit shot. hit a huge three. Against Arizona. <laughs> against Arizona. Yep. So, yeah, let's talk. Let's, so, I... Um, I got to watch uh, maybe like the, most of the second half against Arizona. Um, or I'm sorry. No, I didn't get to watch Arizona at all because that's when I was at the wedding. So I've only seen the highlights. Um, it was yeah, Arizona State I watched that I watched of most of the game. Um, Arizona. So since you got to watch it, I'll, I'll let you kind of, you know, it's usually me leading this. <laughs> I'll let yeah. you talk about the Yeah, that's that that's okay. I, I would say um, probably the most startling thing about it is they were they pretty much controlled the game and more or less led from start to finish. Um, you know, Arizona is uh, is obviously real, real good. Uh, Adia Barnes has built is building or has built, um, you know, a really, really good program there. I know they've got one of the top recruiting classes in the country coming in next year as well. Um, Arizona, Arizona seems to be throwing around those bags everywhere, man, between <laughs> football and men's basketball and women's basketball. Um, you know, she's done a, a pretty amazing job down there. And, uh, and yet, you know, it's, you know, this, this team, um, you know, these Cougs, they don't, they don't really back down from anybody. Um, you know, really the only team that they, they seem to be sort of, uh, you know, seems to be impenetrable to them as Stanford, right? Like, like they're like, they definitely play hard against Stanford, but it's just like, you know, Stanford overwhelms them, but everybody else, you know, they've gone toe to toe with every other program in the PAC 12 over the last two years. And they beat Arizona last year and, and they beat them again. And, you know, they play with just a confidence and a swagger uh, defense. They were forcing turnovers. Um, they were getting shots in transition. Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, they are just much less reliant on Charlize at, than they were a year ago. You know, when she wasn't on, they were going to lose. And that was just it. You know, that there was really there was really nothing else to be said. Um, they just, you know, they they relied on her and, and they and they really rode her as far as she could take them. Um, this year, just so different, you know, as you mentioned, Bella, as you mentioned, Crystal, um, Tadair, you know, just, and she's become a much more diverse score. I think you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, not only is she, um, shooting threes last year, she was kind of a three point specialist. If I remember right, um, this year she, she's kind of getting in from all over the floor. Um, you know, she and Charlize are going to make a pretty ridiculous combo, next year and also another year of Bella. I mean, that's, what's crazy about all this is, you know, you look and you go, man, the only person who's the only person of, um, I don't want to say of consequence. That's not, that's not a very nice thing to say, but the only person who plays sort of heavy minutes that is leaving is crystal and she's big. Um, she's important. She has definitely gotten better this year. Um, you know, she's still, it's a lot of high risk, high reward stuff, but she's hitting enough shots now to kind of make it worth it. 
it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, how, how good they're going to be. And, you know, like I said, they controlled the game more or less from start to finish against Arizona. Um, you know, Arizona lost their best player partway through the game on exactly the kind of play that you and I have been begging for the NCAA to do away with, which is, you know, block charge, you know, do away with the charge, eliminate um, the incentive to have players jumping in front of other players trying to draw contact. Um, that's what happened on this one. Uh, I, I believe it was Tadair who, who uh, jumped in to try and draw a charge. She was late. It was a block. No question. It was a block. Um, and then the, uh, the Arizona player and her name is completely escaping me right now, but um, you know, she fell super awkward. Yeah. Yeah. She fell super awkwardly and dislocated her shoulder. You could see it popped out like on TV. I was like trying not to throw up. It was so gross. Um, she, you know, and, and it was entirely because, you know, in basketball, we have incentivized these plays where, um, you know, players are trying to make a collision and that's what happened. And she fell weird and she, you know, popped out her shoulder and she was done. And I mean, I, I don't know that Arizona would have come back to win anyway. Like I said, we were in control, uh, you know, the vast majority of the game anyway, but it was just such a bummer to see, you know, you don't want to see that for a player, but, um, you know, we played great and a super impressive game, you know, very complete game. Um, probably their you know, best, and it was their best offensive game of the season. Yeah. And what's, what was crazy about it was it wasn't like it took, um, some kind of insane, like to, to compare it to the men, like we're not talking like what, you know, we did to almost beat USC, right. Where we had to hit 50% of our threes to like, to make it work. Um, you know, this was just, we played really well and we're, I mean, they did hit nine of 16 from three, but they did, they did, but it was, but it, but they didn't shoot, you know, 33 yeah, and hit yeah, half of them. Exactly. Right? right. Like they were efficient with the ones that they took, but it was, you know, just a lot of, you know, penetration dish. Bella was great. And, um, yeah, it was a really fun game to watch. It's an exciting team. It's, you know, it's kind of a bummer that they're not, you know, getting more attention and getting more, um, you know, eyeballs on them, but you know, whatever. They're, I guess, other people's loss to not watch them. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, less than a thousand people, uh, still a tick up from their attendance early in the season. I th- there was definitely more students at that game than than there have been, but um, you know, that was their senior night, so you're not going to see them again um, unless they play yep. in the WNIT. But let's, I, which they're know, not, they're not. They, I mean, uh, they they have beaten every other bubble team in the Pac-12. Like they just. Yep. And, and and recently too, you know, and and now they're sitting at crazy. They've clinched their their first winning record in Pac-12 play since ninety one ninety two. And you know what their record in in the conference was that year? Five and three. No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it was only five and three. <laughs> um, it was either. five and three. Um, so this has uh, been. Um, a crazy successful conference season that they've really, it's a complete opposite of last year where they, they stacked up a bunch of wins to start the year and then totally faded down the stretch and barely hung on and, and got into the tournament this year, you know, they kind of didn't have any big results for a long time. And now they've just been racking up wins over teams that will impress that will give them impressive wins and really recovering from that. Uh, you know, blitzing by Oregon, which is a big reason, you know, a big reason why their net is so low right now. They're 62. Right. 
you know, without that and without, you know, the big loss of Stanford, you know, they're probably going to, let's be honest, they're probably going to get beat by 20 or 30 by Stanford and their net's going to dip again or whatever, you know? So, um, so that, I think that's why, you know, Charlie cream put, put them in his bracket for the first time in a while. And, um, so he, he put them straight past, you know, they were first four out last year or last week. And now he's got them, you know, after those two wins, he's got them as a 10 seed. I mean, he had them as like a 12 seed last year and they were actually a nine seed by the tournament. Uh, but last year was interesting. They had a really good net, but their record wasn't good this year. They have a good record, but their net isn't good. So it's going to be interesting to see you, you might have like a little bit of, you know, minimum, minimal sample here about how, you know, how a committee looks at a net versus, you know, actually the wins that you're getting. Cause right. they're now tied for third. Um, is it tied for third or they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're tied for second. I'm sorry. In the conference with Oregon. Um, and because they have a better overall record, uh, or they are listed as second on the PAC 12 official standings. Um, so they're looking very good at securing a top four seed, um, which, you know, I think they, they need Utah to lose one of their final games or, uh, which they have Oregon and Oregon State. So that's going to be two tough games for them. Um, they need one of them to lose one of their final games or, um, WSU needs to just win, uh, you'd be either Stanford or Cal, which, Cal is very, very bad. So, yep. Um, and we have not, we beat the heck out of them earlier. Um, so I, you know, I, I feel good that they can get that win. Um, Stanford, it's, uh, I mean, if they, if they beat Stanford this weekend, that would be the greatest win in program history. Like, without yes. a doubt. Hands like, down, bar hands none, down. nothing else like, would even come close. Because they have never beaten Stanford in something like 60 tries. Uh, yeah, and to beat um, them on the road would be even yeah. crazy. Uh, but Stanford is also ridiculously good. Um, yes, also true. Has, has not lost in conference play. But WSU is sitting, WSU is pick sixth to start the year. And they're sitting in second right now, going to the final weekend, tied for second. Like, yep. that's amazing. Like, what they've done... This year, you know, they're getting all those close wins that the men's team would sure love to have. You know, they they may be sitting lower in net, but they have the wins. And that's why they're going to make the tournament as long as, you know, they don't totally face plant these last three games, you know, going to the Pac-12 tournament, lose to like a team or whatever. Um, But, you know, it seems very likely given what they've amassed like i don't i don't know how you can keep them out given that they oh i think it's already done they've beaten utah colorado utah colorado oregon state ucla arizona state and usc all the next teams in the all ever and arizona so the only team they haven't beaten below them in the stands is oregon the one team tied with but they've just beaten every other team that could possibly be a bubble team um they've taken them out and they've in some cases, knock them off the bubble, like UCLA and Arizona State. And so, uh, you know, if, if, if they aren't in there by the, like, if the committee does not find that, like, valuable, then I, 
I, I will be at a loss. But, you know. If they hadn't beaten Arizona, I might be like, eh. But, yeah. you know, one thing we saw last year is the way that the committee values those big wins. They they want to see, can you beat, you know, other teams that are in the tournament? And up until this point, we hadn't really. Um, you know, I was looking at their net I mean, breakdown. Colorado is probably a tournament team at Oregon State, yeah. possibly. And so they beat I'm just that, thinking so. like, I mean, like when I look at their, so I think we talked about this last week. Women's basketball doesn't use the quad system the same way the men do. Um, but they do break them down into sort of four quadrants with when they, when they analyze the record. And so they look at, you know, wins against, you know, top 25 teams, wins against, and they're, so that's their quad one. And it, it doesn't take any account for home or road, which I think is kind of silly, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then their quad two is like 26 through 50. And then quad three is like 51 through 150 or something. And then quad four is like, you know, 151 through 300 or whatever it is. And we are, that was our first win against the top 25 team in the net. Um, and then, but when you look at 26 to 50, which is that second tier, we're undefeated. We haven't lost any games in that second set. Like, which to me just sort of screams like, I mean, you can look at the net and you can be like, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, I assume the net, the women's net is Except the same Utah. as the We lost net, to but Utah. it might not be. Or uh, I guess Utah yeah. is at 25 now. So they, yes. Okay, so they that's were, what it was. Cause I looked like at it this morning when we lost to them. But. Yeah. So I looked at it this morning. The only losses we have are to teams in the top 25. Yeah. Basically. And then, so, um, that speaks well to this being a team that's a, you know, 25 to 50 ish team, which is a, you know, an NCAA tournament team if there ever was one. And yeah, cause they've beaten, you know, I, they've beaten 29 Gonzaga, 31 Colorado, uh, 41 Arizona State, yep. uh, 50 Oregon State, 58 UCLA. And then they're yep. sitting at 60, WC sitting at 62. But yep. You know, they've beaten all, like, if you're sitting and looking at, especially two teams from the same conference, if you're tying, trying to separate them, like, what are you going to look at, you know? And look I also the, think that finishing top four in the conference is, I mean, I just, in the Pac-12, knowing how good the Pac-12 is, you finish top four in that conference, I think that says something, too. E- even though it's not supposed to mean anything, I think it does. So well, and heck, you know, uh, you know, you beat if you beat Cal, uh, Oregon could very well that they have two tough games at Colorado, at Utah. Uh, yep. They they could lose. You could you could you beat Cal. You, you you could get beat third. You could hell you could even stay in second because Arizona's got uh, you know USC and UCLA who they should be, but you know they both have both of them have the athletic talent to to match up with almost anybody. So you know it'll it'll be interesting. You know they, it'll be it's an exciting final weekend for them. They've never, they, I mean, yep, they've never finished this high in the conference, really. No, like never, it, not even and, close. It, but it's it's so we'll we'll see. You know, um, uh, but you know, the, beat Cal and you're at least in fourth, and um, you know, you don't have to play that first day in, in Las Vegas, and yeah. uh, that's which really they, they've never accomplished either. So. Uh, which this is the first year I think of buys for the, or how were they doing it before? Or I don't, maybe it was, they've only used the buys for a few years, but, um, but yeah, so, 
Uh, very exciting. Um, we get what they've done down the stretch. Uh, just again, a totally opposite of what happened last year. Last year was just like frustrating loss after frustrating loss after frustrating loss. And it seemed like they were torpedoing as a good season. And I'll say like, you know, I, I've said it again a million times last year, they lost Cheryl Molina down the stretch. So they basically were down to like five core players, but getting. Wallach this year as it's like a very reliable kind of productive bench player plays really good defense occasionally goes off offensively uh you know it doesn't shoot a great percentage but just her size causes issues um has been huge and that's helped them sustain in times when Charlize is in foul trouble or Bella's in foul trouble or, or something like that so uh you know they're not deep but they're ever so slightly deeper than they were last year at this time. Um, and, and it's, it's showing, uh, they're finishing very strong. Um, so yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to what, what they have to do to finish this, uh, this week out and, uh, finish this season out, you know, cause obviously, you know, they have a chance to be a, a 20 win team going into the tournament. Yeah. Like how crazy would that That's be? insane. Yeah. That would be super crazy. Yeah. Never happened before. Never even come close to happening before. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all we have for you today. Uh, if you want to follow us on the Twitters, uh, I'm at the Craig Powers. Jeff is at pod versus everyone. Um, if you want to email us, podcast versus everyone at gmail.com. Our email inbox has been... Uh, tumbleweeds lately empty. so give us a empty give us a give us an email um yeah if if you already subscribe then make sure to rate us five stars if you haven't subscribed subscribe um rate us five stars leave a comment if you've done all that you know tell some of your kook friends who might not listen to yeah it, you know tell them we're awesome yeah you can lie to them it's okay you can lie it's fine they'll find out on their own eventually but yeah yeah um we'll get the penny before We'll we'll be laughing all the way to the to the piggy bank, to the piggy um, bank. Yep. All right, Jeff. Uh, with all that, all that's left to say is go Cougs, go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And get vaccinated. Get it. <laughs>